This show was brought to you by Ouch My Ego. OuchMyEgo.com Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today we've got two lovely ladies with us. LB, of course, she's old hat. You guys know her from forever ago, doing a bunch of little sit-ins instead of John or whomever else. Can't get anybody else. Get LB. And Courtney Penley, where I know Courtney from is Twitter. So, Twitter's Courtney Penley. <laughs> Hi. Andrew, are you excited to be talking to two of the baddest bitches on Twitter today? Excited? I don't know if that's right, because I know I don't really get excited about much. Even <laughs> if I am excited, I don't look like I'm excited. You're and telling really me. The word. It's okay that you have... You don't have to hide it. Okay, fine. We understand. I'm ecstatic. We know you're ecstatic. Yeah. (laughs) Ecstatic. Whoa. Yes. So, yeah, I know. I did some vocalization right there. That was never do that on the show. Up, Fred Schneider. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I would assume would be in the film that we're talking about tonight, but uh, today, tonight, whenever you listen. Uh, But he wasn't, and it should be. His music, Fred Schneider, B-52s. Well, Courtney, a little bit about you from your mouth. I would say the horse's mouth, but you're not quite a horse, so. (laughs) There's not a lot of interesting stuff about me. I'm from Texas. I live in Los Angeles now. I've been here about nine years. I have a film degree, and I'm in school for my bachelor's right now. I'm pretty boring overall. Huge horror enthusiast. I love exploitation, black exploitation. Not really a big coming-of-age person. (laughs) So this was an interesting watch for me. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well... Let's just get straight to it then. What did we just watch? Yeah, that is a question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out the answer to. (laughs) Nowhere by Greg Araki. I take my camera with me wherever I go, trying to find my soulmate. I know there's got to be somebody out there somewhere. Isn't that just so bitchin'? What's your name? I have to rot my life away in a nine-to-five hellhole to support your lazy, juvenile delinquent ass. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! I'm not brown cow. Cowboy. Oh, my God. Sometimes I feel so old-fashioned. There's got to be somebody out there somewhere who can hold me in their arms and tell me everything's going to be okay. Fine Line Features presents the new movie from Greg Araki, director of The Living End and The Doom Generation. LA is like nowhere. Everybody who lives here is lost. Do you know what today is? It's Armageddon Day, the day the world's supposed to end. Have I ever told you that I love you? Life is so complicated. James Duvall, Christina Applegate, Nathan Bexton, Rachel True, Jason Simmons, Kathleen Robertson, Jeremy Jordan, Heather Graham, Tracy Lords, and John Ritter. It's been a gnarly day. Nowhere. But does that make you feel so much better? What if? It's, um, it's an interesting interesting piece of cinema okay so one of you (laughs) one of you ladies because i hardly ever do this i might interrupt and whatever but one of you got to take the reins and tell us what the thing is about just (laughs) in a general sense somebody god yeah i mean i think it was lb's decision to watch this (laughs) yes it was (laughs) actually lb yes yes hit it okay well this is a 
story. You said coming of age, and yes, the, it's a very twisted coming of age story. Um, James Duvall plays a young man who is a little bit sexually confused. He's in love with his best friend, uh, Rachel True, but he's also sort of uh, maybe in love with this other guy. So we follow him through, you know, the ups and downs of cool Los Angeles teen party scene. And there's a lot of just really weird things that happen. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes. There's no real, no real beginning, middle, or end to it. It's <laughs> yeah. just, a, just a bunch of stuff happening. Well, when you're <laughs> thrown into the story in a dream sequence, the whole story starts in a strange dream sequence. Mm-hmm. That's something strange. Now, first off, what is, not you, LB, Courtney, your experience with Greg Araki films anyway? Is this your first exposure? Yeah, this is my first Greg Araki film, so I, I don't know if this was necessarily the best film to start with, since this is the end of a trilogy like perhaps i should have started at the beginning i'm not quite sure nope um <laughs> they are unrelated they are yeah, unrelated they, yeah, they the are. only thing is nihilism and doom mm-hmm. all right well that's good then so i watched this one's this my first film ever and i was just blown away i guess <laughs> okay no no that's that's a very apt initial description of your your feelings but you mentioned that you're a big horror fan and that you're a mm-hmm. big exploitation fan and black exploitation fan now, uh, Absolutely. Nick's horror and Nick's black exploitation right now. Let's go to exploitation. Now, exploitation in the 70s in particular, right? Some of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, absolutely. I love trashy cinema from the 80s as well. Um, this is definitely, I mean, you could definitely constitute this as an exploitation film. Yes. It's like an art house yes. music video. You're getting to what I'm what I'm Sex and up. drugs exploitation. Yeah. <laughs> You're picking down what I'm putting up. There you yes, go. Yes, yes. I, I said it wrong <laughs> the first time and goes. I said it wrong the second time. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, uh, yes, exactly. Now, I'm going to get there first straight up before we even dig into anything, if we're going to dig into anything, which is this is, I think, Greg Araki's response to train spotting as far as the soundtrack goes, because this is, and I and I just discovered this, even though I've seen this before and I forgot that this is a very cool soundtrack, for my taste anyway, and not all of it. I don't like whole, but I like a lot of shoegaze stuff, and that's on the soundtrack. And train spotting, I like train spotting too, and the extended soundtrack, which isn't the one that was released, has even more stuff by bands like Blur and stuff like that so things that i like so i think this is a response in a way he's like oh train spotting had a really cool soundtrack i need to make a movie that has a really cool soundtrack <laughs> and that was a really expensive soundtrack that we can't afford to release on dvd yeah that's the, that's <laughs> another point thank you for bringing that up now we yeah. lb and i were asking why isn't this released on blue right now because it's really expensive yeah, because the of the music the rights just to the music i mean or have to be insane like much more than the budget <laughs> I, absolutely so i think that's why we actually lose a lot of films really and the only yeah, way that you definitely. can find them is through either uk release which is how we found this one or vhs rips that are floating around there on the internet and that's mm-hmm. also one way you can find greg Araki's other teen apocalypse series teenage apocalypse. teenage apocalypse yes. yeah so mm-hmm. so lb yeah. you suggested to watch this one mm-hmm. why yeah why <laughs> 
And why me? Oh, oh, oh. no, no, no. I, I'll, I'll ex- I'm teasing. Let, let me explain the why me part first before LB explains her part. Because <laughs> if I know a particular taste that somebody may have and they don't branch out of that very often, I will encourage the branching out at least once or so. And I encourage that of myself too. So in a past episode, John suggested Repo, and I mentioned this to you early. Mm-hmm. Repo, the genetic opera, is a movie I loathe. I can't stand it. I couldn't stand the trailer or a sight of it. But John was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's watch it. And I was like, fine. That's exactly what John sounds like. If you go back and listen, he's like, yeah, my name's John. That's what he sounds like. I'm sure he would appreciate that impersonation. (laughs) It's totally what he sounds like. I know. He loves it. I hate it. But I challenge myself. Am I going to find anything that I like about it? Not really, but that's fine. I can still do the show. But I you can, still tried. Yeah, and, and I can have fun with it. And and I played the role in the show of the curmudgeon. No, but it was for fun, you know? <laughs> so this is my way of, like, maybe call it punishment or an experiment. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's either one or the other. You take your pick. I called it pick. punishment and an experiment as well. So. At the same time? <laughs> We're on you the got same both page. of yes, them. Yes, Woo. yes. <laughs> now, LB. You answer, yeah. why did you pick this? Okay, well, I enjoy Greg Araki's work for some reason. Yes. There's something about his work that uh, I can't quite put my finger on as far as why it appeals to me specifically, other than uh, there's a subversion to it. You know, I grew up in Upper East Tennessee in, uh, you know, I was a teenager in the 90s, and what we had there was really boring. You know, there's really... I don't want to be like, oh, there's nothing to do, nowhere cool to go. Well, LB, as you know, I moved there with you. Yeah, we moved there for a little while. other than antique shops, there's nothing to do. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Same, Texas. (laughs) There's nothing to do. (laughs) Right. So, you know, when the Doom generation came out, I was like, oh, what is this? So, you know, I rented it, and it just made this huge impression on me because of how cool and unlike anything that I had really seen before. You know, at the time I was watching stuff like Trainspotting or Reservoir Dogs and stuff like that that I could find in my hometown. But this one, well, Doom Generation in particular, just kind of blew me away with how, like, just nonchalant and weird and, um, I don't know, graphic and, and kind of dirty. <laughs> it, it could be, so it just kind of, like, told me that I could be this different person with nowhere now what's interesting to me about nowhere is that it is that coming-of-age story but it's like a complete satire of coming-of-age stories like you can watch a John Hughes film and feel completely normal but if you watch nowhere (laughs) don't feel completely normal so (laughs) it's just something that really appeals to me that subversion of what the the typical American experience is and you know also at the time this is a big satire of stuff like 90210 like uh, when this came out a lot of critics were calling it 90210 on acid that's like a a thing Greg Araki actually is the one that called it 90210 on acid oh did he Mm -hmm. did he oh my god okay okay well he's self-proclaimed 
It's self. You know, no, no. I think he knew. I think he knew what the what the non-audience. You know, he's got a niche audience. He's gonna uh-huh. accept yeah. whatever whatever he does. But the non-audience, the audience that he doesn't have the vacuum. He wants to fill it. So he says nine zero two one zero. And it was the mid nineties. It was the mid mid to late nineties. And uh, so that meant something. That that nostalgia for the 60s and 70s early 70s mm-hmm. was still going on so acid was a draw when you throw it into something kind of milk toast and normal so mm. right and it was a time you know a lot of people were still discovering like William Burroughs and um, you know you just like get into these sort of just uh, counterculture type things so that that's what it means to me basically okay I don't know. I have a lot of fun with Gregorocki. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, so um, how how does this film get weird? Anybody want to chime in? Let's say Courtney. How does it get weird? Because uh, because first off, I, I have to of course talk a little bit in this show, this episode, <laughs> just a little bit. It's presented as nine hundred two one zero on acid, but the on acid part is is what it's 90210 a bunch of relationships and a bunch of people and i need to note this most of the dialogue is hey did you hear about so-and-so yeah what what happened to so-and-so <laughs> oh oh they did something else then they cut to another scene of a, a bunch of girls and they got oh did you hear about something else and so-and-so <laughs> and it goes back and forth like that most of the dialogue is like that i really like how spastic it is like the editing and everything yeah. like b- between those uh segments i guess you could even call them segments honestly and also it cuts to sometimes some really great compositions that well he's definitely an auteur he's an artist with an eye but courtney really why did yes yeah you haven't seen any (laughs) you haven't seen any of his other movies so yes he's an auteur Uh, an auteur simply means a person who has a vision and he sticks to it definition yeah (laughs) yeah, she has a film degree she has a film degree andrew Right, right I appreciate it, and I never, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, you know, let's, I don't know, let's think about it. Okay, so it starts out weird. It's got this, like, weird art house opening where we don't exactly know what's going on. There's scenes of, like, sex, and this guy is basically daydreaming about sex with different groups of people. So Mel. Like everybody he knows, right? Yeah, with the cowboy, or is it cowboy? Montgomery. Montgomery. Montgomery, The, the yeah. gay guy with the cute eyes, and then. And then these two, like, Dom and Natrix girls, like, prostitutes. And he's in the shower, and it's weird. The story is just strange. It's just a bunch of teenagers being weird. They're overly sexual. He's making a documentary because he feels... And he takes his camera everywhere he goes because he feels like the end of the world is approaching. Right. So that's interesting. I don't know if he's on drugs when he initially sees, like, a lizard creature. (laughs) But he becomes obsessed with this lizard creature and he... Like, there's aliens, like, involved. You know, and so Montgomery feels like he's been... Or swears that he was abducted. Yeah, so it's, it's just interesting. But you say he's an auteur. One of the things I was thinking when I was watching this movie is I was thinking about how um, aesthetically it really wants to be salvation. Have you said your prayers today? And it wants it, it's like that crossed with dazed and confused, except it lacks solid storylines and the characters are just complete garbage that I don't care about. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what I was thinking. It doesn't feel 
fresh or original to me. It just feels like a copycat of other things that Iraqi has seen before. And like maybe he thinks he has a deep message or story to tell, but he lacks focus and never really tells it, never really completes it. And I was just left wondering why I watched this film. You, you, the only <laughs> reason why you watch this film is for this show. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's that's, be real right now. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Thank you for being <laughs> Have you on guys the show. seen Salvation? Yeah. Is so, it Salvation yeah. or Saved? What are you talking about? It's Salvation. Have you said your oh, years today? It's Salvation. 1987. It 1987 with and Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. He's in Pontypool. He's one of my favorite actors. And I can't even remember his Vigo, name. It's Vigo and uh, Exine that star in it. Here, I have it somewhere, actually. Was, was that when they were married? Yes. Yeah. Or like right beforehand, maybe. Stephen McHattie. Stephen McHattie plays the preacher in that, and he's in, oh yeah, he's yeah, the he radio does. guy in Ponty. That's why I know it, and I don't know if I've actually seen it all or some of it. I've seen a lot of movies. And, it would be a really good follow up for this episode. And I have. <laughs> I have it somewhere, so I know that. Yeah, much. you should totally check it out. It's about this like woman who hooks up with this televangelist, and she get, becomes rich and like this heavy metal Christian rock star. That's the synopsis. It's on IMDb, and it's fun. It's weird. Iraqi's nowhere looks a lot like salvation hmm. except for you know his story is more of a dazed and confused heavy on the confused yeah it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say this is you know out of my own comfort zone as well i don't really watch iraqi films yeah very often and when i do it's at elvie's prompting i roll with it <laughs> i roll with it i do <laughs> but um <laughs> like his most accessible Marriage. film <laughs> His most accessible <laughs> film is a, a, a dumb film called Smiley Face. And it is also his least oh, right. artistic film. It's his least yeah. visual vision film. But it is about a dumb girl, uh, Anna Ferris. She's not dumb, but she's playing one. Uh, who is trying to get stoned even more than she already is. And <laughs> she's just on this journey from one end of town to the next to try to score more pot. And it's called Smiley Face. And it is silly. And it's fun. Funny and quirky and kind of quiet even uh, from what I remember. But that's the only one that you can put on as well. And it's it's not even... Because he's a queer director. Mm -hmm. He always does queer-themed stuff. Something that has bisexual characters in it, gay characters, uh, other kin, I guess. Is that the thing now? Everything's... Like another kin? Like like kin? the alien is another kin. Alien kin? Uh, yes. Anyway, but Smiley Face isn't that. So that's the one that you can just throw on and not really have to confront a bunch of stuff. See, that's one of the things that I, I respect about Iraqi from what I've read about him because I haven't seen his other films. I, I respect the fact that he's a queer director and that he mm -hmm. wants to put that message in his films. Yeah. So I almost feel that if Smiley Face doesn't confront that, then... It's his one-off and it's... It's just yeah, the one that you don't really have to think about when you watch. That's why I say it's his most accessible. Now, all of his others that I've seen are hardly accessible, and they're strange. Like, we did a dive into Doom Generation just for fun, and we watched both versions. Mm -hmm. There's two different versions of it. One's uh, got a lot more gore in it, but for fun, I say. But it's still... <laughs> but it's still, without even any of the whole social stuff, I mean, you can't say without it. His work is confrontational, period. Uh, and it's well, because it's not really accepted in much normal society to even yeah. just show people who are on the fringe
fringes. I mean, he even presents it that way as well. Like, if you're on the fringe, you're a freak. Let's lean into it. And that's so. that's a lot of the characters in this movie, too. I honestly feel like... I like a movie that makes me think. I feel like this is a movie that... It's like a Rocky wanted to tell a story about these characters that are dealing with some deep issues with sex with drugs with their sexual identity with rape with religion oh, yeah. but i felt like he wasn't smart enough to be telling the story if that makes sense i was i was especially upset by the rape scene which i don't know if we should talk about now or if we should go wait ahead later. go ahead no no it, so the girl there's meets this, this guy right He's a yeah so there's this character egg who's introduced early on in the movie so there's the these three girls who all have eating disorders which is another issue okay so let's talk about that. Okay, let me start over <laughs> we go early on mel and lucifer pick up dark these stupid names my god <laughs> also there's a zillion characters in this film and they are all introduced in the most unnatural way possible we're we're having we have these characters repeating each other's names over and over again which is not a thing that you do in natural conversation and i don't like to see that in films really but courtney i'm not so this... sure about that what do you think about that lb <laughs> you <laughs> But there's this huge grocery list of characters, which if they weren't played by popular actors would be hard to keep up with. But because of the fact that he has so many popular actors in this film, it's easy to keep up with them, I guess. So anyway, we go to this coffee shop and we're introduced to Egg, who is this very religious girl to Dingbat and yeah. uh, like yeah. Alyssa. Is that her name? God, these characters, I have no interest in them. So we, <laughs> yeah, here, okay, so we meet Alyssa, Dingbat, and Egg. Egg is a very religious girl and she makes that clear all three girls are like anorexic or bulimic so they eat a brownie and egg runs to the bathroom to vomit it up she's in the bathroom using it and this dream boat comes in and he is i think his character is just called teen idol so yeah. teen idol yeah. yeah walks in on egg as she's using the restroom and they go off and have kind of a little like love affair it ends violently with the teen idol. Well, actually, it's interesting because the teen idol and Egg are sitting and they're watching the televangelist, which is played by John Ritter, on TV. And Egg is talking about religion and whatnot. Then the teen idol tries to force her to have sex. She says no. And he ends up violently raping her. She goes back to her house and she's trying to deal with this inner turmoil that she's having after what just happened to her. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, this is a really good message. It's, it's sad, but it's real. It's something that people deal with, and I, I think this is great for teenagers to watch and to, to be confronted with. However, we <laughs> we then fast forward to, we don't fast forward, but later in the movie, Egg's dad is on the phone. He's calling somebody, I think Egg's sister or somebody, to talk about the fact that she just committed suicide. And I was so upset because we are witnessing this scene of the aftermath of her suicide, and it's in her bedroom, and her legs are straight up in the air like a Barbie doll. It's so like comical. The walls cartoon. are splattered with blood. It's like this hilarious sight like <laughs> somebody just died there's blood all over you the know, place look at I, her leg. I looked sick. at that and i thought maybe she exploded but that's not the case no because no, she committed the suicide counter, yes the counter scene to that is the boyfriend of cowboy bart mm -hmm. he kills himself uh, similarly because he's like hooked on heroin or something but he's yeah, watching yeah. the same televangelist at the same time and he kills himself mm -hmm. by sticking his head also cartoonishly into the oven and his parents the swedes who are played by christopher knight and eve plum yes from famous yeah. from 
the Brady Bunch. Exactly. It's worth mentioning that basically every single extra older character is somebody that's famous from television sitcoms. In so like almost the every 70s single eighties, yeah, it, yeah, in the sixties, seventies, eighties. So uh, so that's kind of cool, I guess. I mean, gosh. So the televangelist budget, huh? somehow <laughs> has this sway on them in this moment that they decide to off themselves. So it's like some sort of brainwash message from that. That's the layer to that, but, but it's not focused. Yeah, it's not focused. And to me, that layer is unnecessary. Both of these characters are dealing with some really heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And they have real legitimate reasons why they feel that they should commit suicide. So the televangelist, is like his role is unnecessary. Aside from having John Ritter play a televangelist, and it's kind of fun, we don't actually need him. <laughs> He's kind of silly. Like in Salvation, the televangelist plays a really big role and it makes sense, but for this guy, it doesn't. But right. anyway, I was just really upset because these kids are committing suicide and we're just kind of like making a huge joke of it. And I, I think that... You you know, this movie is the kind of movie that, like you mentioned, that there might be teenagers that discover strange cinema and they go down this little rabbit hole of watching Iraqi's films and they are confronted with things that maybe their boring Texas or Tennessee towns, you know, don't allow them to experience. So this is like their first introduction to that. And I think making light of suicide the way that they did to making light of rape the way that they did is really irresponsible. Well, and I, I don't, think at that point, I, I was don't just like, think I, I got <laughs> counter your rape comment i don't think they made light of the rape i think they made light of her state after the rape because it was horrific how he presented it i guess so i just think that by making light of her experience after the rape you're making light of her experience being raped okay maybe so you know i don't know i don't know if i really consider it making light of it so much like i totally understand what you're saying I'm not like saying that you're wrong because you're not wrong. I'm never wrong. From my perspective, it's just a little bit different because I see it as more of a uh, shocking sort of thing to like make you think about it more. You know, there's another scene where uh, one of the guys beats some dude at a party to death mm -hmm. with a can of tomato soup, yeah. and. At which point yeah. I yelled, why is this in this movie? Well, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like, it really doesn't make sense. Elvis is the well, name of that guy. There, Elvis and Handjob, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Elvis <laughs> beats up Handjob the dealer. Because right. Elvis yeah. got the wrong drugs or didn't get the right drugs or whatever. And he beats him to pieces with a can of tomato soup. Right, and there's blood everywhere and the can is cracked open. So, like, the, the tomato soup is mixed with the blood and it's, you know, supposed to be artistic, I guess. But there's something to being so over the top that I kind of am more forgiving in a way. Uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you don't really have to say anything else. It's your experience with it. And that mm -hmm. is something that I can respect and that anybody should be able to respect mm -hmm. is that when you watch film, you take away from it what you take away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're all going to have different experiences watching the same right. thing. And that doesn't mean that your experience with it is, is necessarily wrong or right. It's yeah. just yours. You know, it's very personal. And that's, that's one mm -hmm. of the things that I love about cinema. Right. I was also a, a kind of demented person. <laughs> in, in my in my my late teens, early twenties, like uh, this kind of thing, like it just really excited me to to be so like subversive and transgressive. I'll be uh, you're a rebel. Yeah, I'm a rebel. There was a time where I thought the best Halloween costume would be 
Jackie Kennedy in the the pink, the pink suit with mm, um, yeah. you, know, you know like like brain splatter on her. Okay, so like that that used to be my kind of sense of humor. I think that's a really good point that you're making as well. So I was thinking about this movie as I was watching it, and I was thinking, gosh, what a piece of garbage! I have no interest in this. And now that I know a little bit more about film, I especially dislike it because <laughs> I feel like there's so many, I feel like there's so many storylines that begin that that don't that don't end. They're not wrapped up or that they mm-hmm. they don't serve a purpose. But when I was 19 or 20 when I, in 1997 watching this I was not 19 or 20 I've been a little bit younger than that would I have liked this film yeah I probably would have like I loved watching films like this like kids you know it's like just mm-hmm. weird crap that explored I don't know teenage life and experiences with fun music and weird visuals like I might have appreciated it back then I just don't now Courtney you mentioned yeah. just now uh, well I'm just gonna say I don't, I'm not gonna repeat what you said but maybe that's his point of having these threads incomplete because seeing that this is a, a doom film and there's an alien uh, or a bunch of aliens and one of them is a lizard dude abducting people various people <laughs> who end up disappearing later in the, on in the film that is only spoken to us by a character but these incomplete threads they're only introduced never followed through with com- to completion mm-hmm. like the three girls that are sitting there the cameo appearances from Mm-hmm. from Shannon Doherty Rose McGowan Rose McGowan and, Tra- and Tracy Lords. and Tracy Lords. they're sitting there gabbing away with their big beehive hairdos and then they're zapped away by aliens alien but to what end and we never see well, to what end because apocalypse right yeah I'm not necessarily thinking about that I think if somebody's abducted by an alien like that is the end you know they, they don't have to come <laughs> back I don't expect that oh no no it's I'm like, not talking okay. about let's let's complete that I'm just talking about every thread in this that is incomplete maybe that's just the point of his whole apocalypse. I think that you're giving him too much credit. I like I to do that, this. I literally yeah, like I think, to give I think you're being a, a really nice credit. guy right now. Like some <laughs> of the questions I had is like, so in the beginning, Dark's mom is like this really awful woman played by Beverly D'Angelo. But she's I didn't great really understand at it, her. She was great at it, but what was her purpose? She never exactly, comes back in it. Like we never see her again. I would have liked to see her maybe come back towards the end whenever he's being he's loud in his room. There's like this whole thing happening. Zero and Zoe, like they were such a waste of characters. Oh my god. <laughs> a waste of screen time like why were they there what was the point of them we learned nothing about them I feel like because they were a little younger it could have been fun if maybe the two of them lost their virginity that night like that would have been a fun thing to watch you know and, and something that people could relate to I thought the Alyssa dingbat and egg with their wonderful well thought out names their eating disorder is something that's really big for teenage girls you know and boys I just think that the fact that we touched on it but we never went any else with it was a little upsetting you're bringing up the topic just like i think we need to have a conversation about this but what conversation are we having in this movie (laughs) it's just like look people have bulimia yeah exactly there is no conversation it's like it's just something to put in there to be like maybe somebody will think i'm deep i don't know but why bring it up you're just crowding your movie and your story that you are trying to tell i feel like there was so much expository stuff in this like cowboy is really stressed out over his boyfriend and Bart's like on drugs. He's been hanging out with Handjob and they've got this gig next week at the butt crack. Ken, <laughs> with these names. And it's like, okay, cool. Don't introduce this huge gig at the butt crack and then never get to it. Oh, For yeah. me, I was like, why do we have all these amazing flyers? There's a club called the butt crack. These guys are in a band. Like, if you're going to introduce all of these elements, I want to see a payoff, you know? Like, maybe there could have been, uh, over the the closing credit scenes, they could have had the show at the butt crack with Bart 
you know, not being there or something. I don't know. That would have been nice. But we, we never wrapped up that storyline. There's just so many storylines and characters introduced, and there's no reason for them. Like when we meet Shad and Lilith at Venice Beach, one cool thing that we get from that, I guess, is there's a fortune teller that foresees death, but yeah. they don't yeah. die. No, but they just yeah. screw. Lilith <laughs> is played by Heather Graham of Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. So everybody take a drink. Go on. This is our link to Twin Peaks. Albie, are you drinking? <laughs> well... Yeah, take a drink. Okay, Use her slurp. <laughs> Very <laughs> right. audibly. That's the link to Twin Peaks. It's always fun to have one. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I have... Uh, look, I did a Godzilla <laughs> episode this... And I couldn't link it at all. Godzilla can't be linked to... <laughs> I just like I felt like there was no point in Shad and Lilith existing. No, Lucifer and Mel are, are like rollerblading at the beach suddenly. <laughs> like what's yeah. happening? And the the point was to introduce Lucifer's sister, uh, Jana. But Jana doesn't do anything. She's just modeling and that's it. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand what we're doing here. Like, why are we introducing 37 <laughs> characters as our main characters and then like three of them matter? I think you know? in a way, this is what it's like <laughs> to be... It's a, like Nashville. A, oh, Andrew. the movie Nashville for you. This is your Nashville. <laughs> Everybody loves Nashville except Elby and me. This is your Nashville. It's it. very chaotic. It's Robert Altman. Everybody's talking over mm. everybody. But okay, so that... <laughs> characters too. I'm going to try to make a, a relation to this. I wasn't a very popular teen or even a young adult, but once I started branching out and going to rock shows, you end up crossing paths with a bunch of different people that you end up seeing over and over again at different rock shows. Now, maybe that's also what this is like, like being a young person and you're barely entering and leaving part of a person's story every time you go out. That's also kind of, it's fragmented. Your life is really fragmented if you're, if you're looking at everybody's little story. You're just barely getting a piece of anybody's story when you go out yeah, and hang out with. So. That's true for life. Yeah, and, this and is I cinema, <laughs> which has a responsibility to do its job, you know? <laughs> that's I'm, that's I'm, all I'm saying. I'm, and all I'm saying is, is it's like trying to reflect a, a, a youth experience, I think maybe and i lived in southern california at the time that this movie came out and i did not relate and i never have and i won't relate to any of this stuff that's going on in this movie none of it <laughs> um, how many how many friends in real life did you guys have named handjob egg or dingbat <laughs> just out of curiosity i am the only person that ever had a weird nickname and it was monkey for a while because i did an impression mm -hmm. of a monkey hanging from the ceiling because the person's house that we were at had a really low ceiling and i'm really tall so I just put my hands up there and then I just acted like swinging. So they called me Monkey for two years. And then the other name was after Jemetsko was established. People couldn't say Jemetsko, so they'd say Gimme Taco or <laughs> Jimmy. So it was Jimmy or Gimme Taco. And my name's not Jimmy, but I accept it, you know? So. <laughs> LB, what's your experience with uh, weird nicknames in real life? Like weird, weird names? weird ones yeah um, you're either your weirdest like, nickname or the weirdest person the person well, with the I weirdest mean, nickname that you know i guess i mean my weirdest nickname is actually lb <laughs> <laughs> but um, which is literally like your initials yeah. except yes. for spelled out yes. so well there's weird, a good right? reason for it lb you want to say it oh uh, okay well um andrew andrew and i are married <laughs> oh wow and, oh my god and, <laughs> phew um, news uh <laughs> news flash guys Sorry, I've been like inappropriately hitting on both of you in DMs. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Lesson learned. Um, but uh, Andrew's brother is also named to a woman named Lori. Named to? So, mm -hmm. Married to? Yeah. Yes. 
But An- Andrew actually hates the name Lori. Well, cause he hates it. Hate it, hate it. In high school, all the girls with Lori, Laura type of derivatives, not Lorelai because I never knew them, but they were mean. They were such mean girls. They weren't even mm-hmm. like cool mean girls. They were just not nice. And so I heard heard the name Lori and I was like, oh, that figures, you know. Not, not about <laughs> LB, by the way. Not about LB. That you but, end up oh, what? falling for Whatever. No, no, not about LB. That when you, you had the name, when I gave you LB, it was, I was like, I gotta differentiate. It can't be like, you know, my, that's my brother's really good, wife is Lori. I can't. So That's a really good point about the teenage experience that lives with us forever and haunts sure. us forever. Absolutely. You know, it's like the, the girls or guys in high school that picked on us and made us feel really crappy about ourselves and questioned our self-esteem. Those names will haunt you for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Yeah. Like, I, to this day, I hate Tiffany's. Oh. <laughs> I can't stand yeah. the name Ashley. You know, it's like there's just these, yeah, sudden, yeah, these yeah. people. Chad. So, uh, that's actually Chad. like... Oh, Chad. <laughs> yeah, and why? Because <laughs> jerk in high school would tease you or whatever so that's that's something relatable that you didn't see in I dated a guy named Chad and he broke up with me and told me that he could only date hot girls (laughs) oh wow that is so hurtful that's so mean Mm -hmm. because he was in a band he was in a band Okay, he Chad. could only date hot girls. Have you Facebook yeah. stalked Chad recently? No, I have not. I, I met I met this Chad, and I'm six four, and he's like five eight or ten or something. He's a mm-hmm. pipsqueak, and <laughs> and he's a guy that wasn't unattractive, but he wasn't all that either. And and he was hanging out with a younger girl, I do believe, at mm-hmm. a GameStop. He was like oh, hanging wow. out. He was hanging what out. We winner. just were at the mall, and I was like, "Let me check out GameStop real quick." And I walk in, and I, I'm about to walk out. Then Elby's like, "Oh, that's Chad. Who?" Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, Lori," because he sounds like that too. <laughs> hey, Lori. <laughs> anyway, no. No, I'm just painting him in a bad light. Whatever. No, I'm sure he actually sounds like that. <laughs> I think that you should Facebook stalk him. I want to see what his current girlfriend, if he even has one, looks like. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, I will. Now, like with the teen world as it is now with all the, the Facebook stuff and the... the How would right? that even work? It wouldn't. I wish this movie was made now. No. I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, Courtney does. <laughs> Courtney does. You do. No, well, 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 <laughs> you know, he's got that show. He's got that show on stars right now. Oh, no. Kind of supposed to be. Uh, yeah. Now, now Apocalypse. Now Apocalypse. <laughs> now it, Apocalypse. It is, yeah. He also directed. Yeah, it, he he also directed the first couple episodes of the second season of Thirteen Reasons oh. Why, which I haven't. I didn't seen. know that. But oh, I hear he that the show is again irresponsible with suicide. So I'm interested. I yeah, I'm really yeah. not. Have you seen uh, it? No. Nah. No, I'm I'm really not interested in watching Netflix it shows in general. Yeah. Not very not very good. The one show that we do yeah. really like is Haters Back Off. <laughs> Haters back off. Okay, I'll Uh, check it out. You'll probably hate it. Except for, I don't know, you guys probably hate it. You'll probably hate it. Yeah. You you did recommend Nowhere to me. No, 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 no. Nowhere was decidedly recommended to you. (laughs) I knew what I was doing. I agreed with Elvin. Oh, that's true. You were trying, you are punishing me. I know, experimenting on you. (laughs) You called it punishment. (laughs) And the experiment. He did. The experiment has succeeded. I mean, yeah. no, the success is usually you liking it or, or the guests liking it or finding something that they do like about it, but you didn't. But I, my joke is that, like, I, I was punishing you. So the success of the... Yeah, you did. You succeeded in punishment and you succeeded so the in, experiment uh, in yeah. creating, a, like, a very a very unorganized conversation about the 
film. Absolutely <laughs> great. Which I blame. I blame me for. <laughs> no. I blame me, myself no. for it being unorganized. No, no, no. The movie, as you said, is unorganized. So it's the only way to approach this. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We're just we're following the form. It's now, fine. The, yeah. the sci-fi elements of this I wanted more of the first time I saw this, which was early 2000s. Did you believe? And I didn't get them. I wanted them. And then finally, when I did get the thing towards the end, that one moment, boom. It's a a big laugh for me. He's like, I'm out of here. See, that was upsetting to me because I finally, we got to the end of this movie, which we're Mm -hmm. spoiling. And um, Montgomery shows up at Dark After being abducted. Yeah. And he says he was abducted by aliens, which I think Dark had suspected. Yeah. Dark had suspected earlier because he found his necklace. Like at kick the, the can. They were playing they were. kick the can. Who does? Let kick me ask you. Let him, yeah. Interruption. So, have you ever played kick the can? I have not. Okay, LB. No, I haven't played it, but I know what it is now. Uh, I mean, I kind of know what it is, but what are the rules? That's what I want to know. Okay, it's like tag. So the person who's it is uh, next to the can. H- hide and, and they seek. Count. Is it hide and seek? Well, yeah, tag and yeah, yeah. It's across the. Can. Well, okay, so the person who's it is next to the can, and they count, and everybody hides like hide-and-seek. When the person who's it finds you, you have to go stand in this, like, little designated area for the people who have been found. So it's like a, uh, I don't know, a a corral, if you will. Okay. And um, so if once everyone's been found except for the last person who's still hiding, if that last person who's still hiding can make it to the can without getting caught by it and kick the can everyone who's been caught gets freed from their little you know purgatory and then the person who's it has to start all over okay so that sounds like a fun game for people that doesn't it horse tranquilizers yeah right (laughs) and also also are you gonna be at kick the can tonight like, why are you asking? Like, there's only five of you going to be there. Like, I thought this and was hey going to be a huge bunch of people. And it was just like three. Let's just, let's have a conversation about the fact that we were all in high school in the 90s. And none of us ever played Kick the Can. Never played so Kick the saying, Can. How relatable is this film after all? It's so anyway, <laughs> let's get back to this. So, yes, sorry. So, Go. Montgomery shows up at Dark's window. And I'm like, oh my god, finally we're going to have like a scene with these with a payoff this character comes in and they open up to one another about like you know love and just looking for somebody and companionship and they have this very sweet moment where dark is able to finally admit like his queer feelings and it's just really sweet and i'm like this is great let's roll credits and montgomery says montgomery though says i'm not gay or anything which is pretty funny actually because no yeah like that's meant that's meant literally as as a joke from iraqi though Oh. That obvi- well. obviously you are, because when you met him, you stared into his eyes and said how beautiful his eyes were. And you guys, in- I didn't take it as a joke. I, I thought it was actually a very real moment that I think probably hmm. a lot of people that are confused about their. Well, sure, their- I can understand that. Yeah, I think it's like uh, I'm not gay or anything because I'm scared that you're not gonna reject uh, me. I see. So yeah, I feel I, I gotcha. felt like that was actually a very real human moment, you know. And I I actually connected. It's like the one scene that I really appreciated. And then. What happened? He explodes. <laughs> he explodes, he but not just explodes. To a giant, His a giant, bo- yeah, a giant alien cockroach, cockroach thing, and he says. What's he say? I'm out of here. <laughs> and it's, it's like, okay. Undercut. <laughs> Screw this film. Like, this is so ridiculous. I cannot even believe it. You finally had, like, this one character. Only one storyline, right? There's only one storyline that paid off for me. It's this guy 
who is having these like he starts out the film by having like all of these sexual fantasies and he's really trying to figure out who he is who he's going to be with and, and what's going on with his life and his personal identity and then he has this very real moment where I think he finally <laughs> has like some kind of peace and, and understanding in his life and then it's like <laughs> big alien cockroach but I'm it, out of here isn't that what <laughs> life is though like you you yeah. think you have things figured out and, and then, then you know, alien cockroach it's like <laughs> yeah it's like um, what is that that joke like how do you make god laugh make, make a, a plan. plan you know mm-hmm. so maybe maybe it's just a little little irony being thrown at you but i guess maybe. i think it's an incredibly garish irony mm-hmm. so it's it's <laughs> it is it's a very juvenile and a very childish way to pull the rug out from under somebody i'm not saying it's a bad way necessarily because most of this film is juvenile in that kind of <laughs> sloppy kind of juvenile way but maybe there's a better way to present that sort of uh, undercut ending, you know, than a big loud explosion, blood all over the place, and an alien bug crawling out of a carcass. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I I don't know. Like, I actually really enjoy queer cinema from like this time period. I don't ask me titles because I'm not going into it. But like, <laughs> I have I had a bunch of them on VHS, and I. Like, I did a whole watch through of all of them before uh, selling them off. And there's a lot of them that I really like. And one of the things that I like is that, you know, there's real emotions, there's real human elements that we're, these people are discovering themselves. And it's very scary, you know, because yeah, yeah. they're having to step out of their comfort zone and admit, you know, that there's something that is not accepted, you know, as widely yeah. at this time. And it just is like, it was just such a real moment. It was like such a really nice, beautiful moment that I thought was completely ruined. It was taken <laughs> like, away from you. Yeah, it was taken away from me and I thought, wow, you know, he finally did something right in this movie and I can say that I liked one element of it, but I can't. Well, there you go. <laughs> because I just think like a Rocky's not smart enough to be making films like that are supposed <laughs> to have a message, you know? <laughs> well, I haven't seen Mysterious Skin and that's supposed to be the big one that he did. Yeah. Yeah, is that the one with uh, Joseph Gordon Gordon Levitt? Yes. Yep, that's the one with him. And I haven't seen that one yet. I may or may not. I have it floating around here somewhere. But. Andrew, uh, have you seen The Living End? I have not seen The Living End, but that seems to be two gay dudes, both with HIV, on a murder spree. (laughs) And that's his first movie. And I haven't seen Totally Effed Up either. That's the second movie. But I've seen a lot of his others, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. But this is why I say that I think that he's an auteur, because he always has some kind of vision that he wants to get across, and he does it. And it's usually very colorful. Look, I, I don't think an auteur has to be like a David Lynch, always hammering the same kind of concept until he gets it right type of thing for him but or 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 kubrick or somebody like that they could be even so far as like a studio auteur like robert wise robert wise did the haunting andromeda strain a movie called rooftops that's his last movie and he did the star trek the motion picture all of those have his vision and how he was doing it and they're very artful every single one of them except for maybe rooftops that one's very cheesy 80s and he was like 80 something when he directed it oh a dance movie west side story so he's like a studio auteur as opposed to art house auteur type of thing. I think there's a different. I'm not going to argue whether or not he is an auteur because I've only seen the one film. Yeah, so I can't yeah, really yeah. say. But from watching this one film, it felt like a ripoff of other films. It's very MTV. Not, like an original. Like, it didn't feel like an original vision at all. And, you know, it is very MTV. It's, it's funny that you say that. It's like a kind of music video with the fast cuts and the weird yeah. colors mm-hmm. and whatever. And you know who does that really, really well is Harmony Corinne. Like, he. <laughs> 
he does his like seriously i mean aside from trash humpers his movies <laughs> spring breakers for instance like yeah. spring breakers is so beautiful he like shoots every single scene multiple times from different directions and he cuts them together in one linear you know movement and it's just very interesting yeah. to watch visually but it's still cohesive and it still tells a story yep. and it, it feels very personal and raw and i think that maybe iraqi you know was trying to do something similar to that like a very personal approach that felt real and, and raw but like inner turmoil is coming out and the visual elements or whatever but I don't know again I just don't feel like he's smart enough to be making these kinds of films and it's very frustrating for me to watch <laughs> well okay so would you recommend it <laughs> I, uh, I would not recommend this film I, I'm just trying to think of what some of the saving graces for this film are this film is something that might be fun to watch for people that are familiar with all of the big names in it yeah because there are so many yeah. famous actors in it and this is a very odd film to see them I was very shocked to see some of these people in it so this would be kind of a fun film for people to watch if they just want to see you know beloved characters from film and television in a really weird situation i think that this is a film that should be studied <laughs> as like what not to do okay. so if you're okay. if you're a filmmaker and you want to see like how not to make a movie like a, caution, a cautionary <laughs> like... film course so <laughs> yeah maybe no i mean i just personally can't recommend it i think that it's a little too reckless and i i mean regardless of whether it ties up its ends and whether you think it's a good movie it's well done or not i think that it's a little irresponsible and i would not recommend it i wouldn't want my teenager watching it because I don't feel like this is a responsible way to introduce teenagers to these life experiences. Elby, counterpoint. <laughs> uh, well. No, would you like, I mean, would you recommend this film? Not to everybody. You know, I, I wouldn't want, I would need to know exactly what people's tastes are first. Not me. <laughs> Courtney. <laughs> well, actually I knew what your tastes were. I still went against them. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, if, if I know someone who is as uh, cynical and sarcastic and, and, uh, <laughs> every, you know, as, as I am like, and they say, Oh, I haven't seen this movie. I'd be like, Oh, well you need to watch it. But <laughs> you know, I, I um, think the best situation for this movie is like w with a group setting when nobody's really watching it and just put it on and then yeah. people keep walking back and forth going what well is yeah this? true that's i think the yeah, best setting it could me. be it could be a really good party movie that's true oh I, that's the short way to say it elby thank you yeah am i the You're long welcome. way okay so yeah i guess it could be a good movie to have on at like a large party but mm -hmm. not like a smaller party like in my apartment it's going to be you know seven to twenty people i don't think that this would be a good movie to have on hmm. but if you're having like a big party like the one that's in this movie i think that this would be a good movie to have on in the background as sure. somebody's getting bludgeoned with a tomato yeah you can you know <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah I, I personally can't recommend it okay well thanks a lot courtney for being on my show <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for um, punishing me. You're welcome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Elby, what do you think about you. that, Elby? I haven't had a man in my life for a while, so that was the element Ooh. I was missing. Ooh. You know, was, the, <laughs> um, was the being punished. Perhaps we can punish her again sometime. Oh, perhaps. Ooh. So, Courtney, how can people find you on the internet if you want them to? <laughs> I don't know if they want to. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, underscore Corduroy, C-O-U-R-T. E R O Y. And I'm boring. So, okay. you are not. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little bit boring. Yeah. 
actually. And of course, <laughs> LB, you recommend this film, and I only think that it's a good party movie, maybe. And I think that's the end of the show. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Woo!